Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, again, we welcome you and we thank you for being with us and we hope that you can come back time and time again. If you would be, open your Bibles to Matthew the 13th chapter. Matthew the 13th chapter. And if uh, you need that in the Pew Bible, it will be on page 861. 861. We want to remind and invite all of you ladies that this coming Saturday will be a breakfast together. That's the plans and the motivation for the year, if you will. And we want to encourage you to come and be a part of that. All ladies are invited to be a part of that. And there are sign-up sheets out in the foyer. And it'll be a wonderful way for you to start the year, involvement with each other, and also in fellowship with each other. Uh, yesterday, we had a wonderful prayer breakfast uh, among the men. And it was a tremendous blessing. We appreciate Jamie as the deacon that is over the men's ministry and his leadership already. Uh, in that, it was a tremendous breakfast. Delicious food and uh, tremendous message brought to us by Brother Tom Holland, and also just a great, great turnout, one of our largest uh, breakfasts in uh, quite a while, and so we are thankful for that. The teddy bear workshop was so productive. Thank you to so many of you. Close to a hundred of you were there throughout the day, and that area downstairs was running over with people that were trying to do good, and we appreciate each one that had a part in that and all that work in that regularly throughout the year. Many of you have take-home bags that you work on a regular basis on that. And what a wonderful, wonderful ministry that that is. What a blessing God gives us in the church. You know, we talk about something being like. If you had to say to someone, well, the kingdom of heaven, or in other words, the church, and we see those terms used interchangeably by Jesus himself, as he writes in Matthew, the 18th chapter, or speaks in Matthew, the 18th chapter, he said that he was going to build his church. In the very next verse, he tells to Peter that I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And we go to the establishment of the church in Acts 2, and we see that it was Peter that told people how they could have entrance, how they had the keys, how they could have entrance into the church or the kingdom of heaven. And so if you were going to describe to someone about the church, what would you say? The church is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. I want to read to you just one verse over here in Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter. It's the verse before what we read today at the close of Ecclesiastes, uh, when we read 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 12, he says, And further, my son, be admonished by these, of making many books, there is no end. And much study is wearisome to the flesh. Now, guys, you need to memorize that. And next time your parents ask you to study, you just tell them that's what the Bible says. It's wearisome to the flesh. Well, maybe that's not exactly what he was doing. He wasn't urging us not to study at all. But the great preacher, the wise man, was saying, look, there's always going to be a ton of books. There's always going to be so many books to read. And today in our society, we can almost say there are tons of books to read on every subject. Today, you could go online or you could shop in a large bookstore. And if you wanted to read what other people believe the kingdom of heaven was like, you could find probably a hundred different books that would tell you something about the church. They would analyze it. They would have surveyed it. They would have predictions. They would look at the past history. Seems like that there's hundreds, if not thousands, of authors that have something to say about the kingdom of heaven. But for just a few minutes, let's look and see what Jesus would say. He wants us to know, and this was written before the church was even established, he wants us to know what he expects the church to be like 
And I keep using the word like because that's the word he continually used, and you'll see it in the text. He continually told us the kingdom of heaven is like. Let's look at this. And again, I hope you have your Bible open to Matthew, uh, the 13th chapter, because we're going to scan and look at a lot of verses here. Let's just come right off of verse 1 to get the setting. And on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitudes were gathered together to him. So he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. So you can envision this. First, he was comfortable on the shore. But when so many people gathered around, he needed some distance. He probably needed to do this so that they could see him, so everyone could see him. He probably needed to back away from them, probably even for his voice to be amplified off of the water. And so we have this picture of Jesus sitting in a boat, and he is going to tell them many things about the kingdom of heaven. And let's begin reading here as we see verse 3. He says, Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying... Well, that's interesting. When we read through our Bible, this is the first time when we start in Matthew, this is the first time that we read of Jesus speaking in a parable. And on this particular day, that's all he did. He spoke everything to them on this occasion in the form of a parable. Let's drop down, if you would, and look at verse 10, just to kind of see a little bit about the purpose of parables here. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. Now keep in mind, Already at this point, there had been those that had seen Jesus introduced as the king, and they are denying the fact that he's the king. There are already those that are following him because they believe he is the king. They look forward and anticipate a kingdom. Now, they may have some misunderstandings about it, but they look forward to that. But yet, he says here, in other words, to some of you, I'm going to reveal a truth to you about the kingdom. Others sitting in the same audience, I'm going to speak in the form of a parable because I'm going to conceal the message so that you can't understand. I need to ask myself tonight, if I were in that audience, would the Lord have been saying that to reveal to me about the kingdom of heaven or would he have been saying that to conceal things about the kingdom of heaven? In other words, am I going to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ so that I am interested, I am intrigued, I am devoted to learning about Him and about His kingdom? Or could it be that I have so little interest that the Lord could speak to me in a parable form and actually He'd be doing that to conceal it from me? Now, as we think about this, we think about the parables that He gives and the power of them. Let's look at a brief overview of these parables in just a moment. But as, as we begin this, of the idea of parables, I want to remind you what a parable is. The idea of the P-A-R-A, the para, is to bring alongside. In other words, we're about to read some stories that immediately we see that they have an earthly uh, illustration, an earthly example. They're not told to just tell us something earthly. They're told to bring up alongside that a spiritual application. That's why we sometimes say that they're earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Now, we could guess and make some pretty good intellectual uh, determinations of, of why the Lord would use parables. 
Number one, we know that parables help us put things in concrete form. You know when someone teaches you something and, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I think I understand what they just said. But then they give you an illustration. They give you a story to illustrate that principle. And when they give you that story, you immediately say in your mind, that's it. Now I know, that's it. That's concrete now in my mind. You see, when it does that, it also becomes portable, if you will. In other words, if you will imagine, you and I could have sat and listened to Jesus teach this par- these parables, and we could have gone on our way, and probably the next day someone could have said, hey, I, I heard that you went and heard Jesus yesterday. Yes. What did he talk about? Odds are you could probably remember several of the things that he talked about because it is usually easier for us to remember stories than it is principles. And so the Lord gives several stories so that in remembering them, we can remember the principles. Now, it goes almost without saying, but we'll say it. The third thing that parables do is they make things more interesting because we, by our human nature, have an interest in stories. And so there are several reasons, no doubt, that parables are effective forms of teaching. If you're a teacher tonight, or if you're raising children, and it is your job to teach your children to love the Lord and to to know the Word of God, I need to be aware that illustrations are so powerful. Finding a way to take and illustrate spiritual truths through some kind of earthly mechanism so that it makes it concrete, so that it makes it where we can remember it and we can take it with us so that it makes it interesting. But we need to always note this. The illustration should never be the main part of the lesson. God's Word, the truth, needs to be the main part, the principles of God's Word. And these other things are just to illustrate that so that we can better learn it. So we see that Jesus chose parables. He wanted to reveal truth to those that wanted to learn about the kingdom. But he also wanted to conceal these facts from those that were in opposition to him. Because keep in mind, it wasn't his time to die yet. And so there needed to be that control factor, if you will. So let's look at these parables, and, and of course, we can only give an, just a, an overall, just an overview here, but I think if we do that and, and kind of get a picture of this whole teaching, it gives us great insight to what the Lord would say, I want you to see that the kingdom of heaven is like. And if you'll notice, we have the parable beginning 3 through 9. He explains the parable in verse 18 through 23. I want you to note with me what he says in 19 about this parable. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it. So in other words, when we drop back now and we look at this parable back in verse 3 and 4 and following, the sower is sowing the word, but Jesus wants us to make sure that we understand it's the word of the kingdom. In other words, if we're going to grow the kingdom... We can talk about getting excited about inviting people, and yes, we need to. And we can talk about the getting uh, people involved, and we need to. And we can talk about uh, fellowship with one another, and we need that. But I need to note this. The kingdom can't grow if the Word is not being taught and, and learned. So whoever you want to invite, they can't grow in the kingdom without knowledge. So we need to invite them and encourage them to learn the word of the kingdom. Now, let's bring that home to our own selves. 
Do you want to grow this year? Do you want to grow more faithful to God? Do you want to grow spiritually? Do you want to grow in the kingdom of God individually? I need to realize that a part of growth has always been, what do I do with the seed, which is the word of the kingdom? Well, here, let's notice some things that Jesus told in a parable form that people do with the seed. We're in verse 4, and he says, they take the seed, and, and some, their hearts are like the wayside. In other words, it's the path, and it just lays on top of the ground, and the birds devour it. Verse 5, some fall into stony places, and there's not much earth there, and they immediately form uh, roots and, and begin to spring up, but yet, because there's no depth of earth for the roots, verse 6, the sun has come up, it scorched them, and their roots, and they wither away. Some receive the seed, the, the kingdom of God, the word of the kingdom of God, and, and it begins to grow, but they're growing among thorns, verse 7. And the thorns spring up, and it chokes out the Word. But other seed falls on the good ground and yield a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, why did he say that last part? Because to some, he's revealing this truth. To others, he's concealing this truth. And they had to decide which one they were. Are you going to understand this parable? Are you going to do anything with it? Tonight, in a similar sense, if we decide to walk away from here and, and not glean from the Word of God, we're actually saying, Lord, I don't have ears to hear that tonight. And the Lord is saying, please think about what kind of heart you have. Is my Word going to be such that Satan can easily snatch it away? Is my Word going to be such so that it's so shallow that just any difficult situation, just any kind of heat, scorching heat that comes into your life is going to devour your spiritual life? Is your, the Word going to be so that you do take it to heart, but yet you take other things also to heart, like materialism? And he says, those things choke out the Word. The Word of God has to take preeminence in our life. And then... Now, I've just described for you verse 19 through 22 at this point. I'd like for us to read verse 23. And in 23, here's what the Lord wants us to be. This is the word of the kingdom of God. Look at 23. But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. In other words, it's one that learns, they hear it, they understand it, they comprehend it, they go back and study it, but then they take that and apply it to their life and it makes a difference. How many times have we seen someone converted that lived a worldly life and then a month later we see that their life has changed? We see that their speech has changed. We see that their actions has changed. Someone that was spending money in a bar is now putting that money in the Lord's plate. Someone that was out in places of recreation that a Christian would never be, now they're in the midst of the Lord's people doing His work. And someone says, what's happened? Why have they done that? Well, now they're producing fruit. You see, things have changed in their life. They've heard the word of the kingdom. They've understood it. And now their life has changed. They're fruit bearers in the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like the sower. That word of the kingdom goes out. What are we going to do with it? Let's look now in 24 and following. He also says the kingdom of heaven is like the wheat and the tares. You see there in 24, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But when he slept, enemies came along and they sowed tares. And so as it grew, 
they couldn't just pick out the good and the bad. If you can imagine a wheat field and how close the wheat grows together, what are we going to do with, with the, the enemy? What are we going to do with those that are tares, the weeds? Well, let's read on. Excuse me, 929, but he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares, and later, as this parable is described, the, the reapers here are angels. He says to them, first gather the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So here we see a glimpse of the day of judgment. But before we talk about the day of judgment, let's think about the kingdom, which on this earth is the church. This isn't a judgment of David Shannon. Just teaching the parable as the Lord taught the parable. Within the church, there will be individuals that you ask them, are you a member of the Lord's church? Yes, yes. On the day of judgment, all those that have answered, yes, I'm a member of the Lord's church, will not have been faithful, will not be saved. Now, can we divide everyone out on this earth? Absolutely not. We're not the judge. Now, in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, we see a case there where individuals were living in open sin, and they were told there to disfellowship, to mark those, to cast them out. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And so when we know that a brother or sister is living in open sin, refuses to turn away, God commands us to separate ourselves from them. But there are so many others that is not that open sin. In other words, it may be a secret sin of the heart. It may be a situation where it's hard to tell. Is this person just young spiritually and struggling? Or is this person really apathetic in their relationship with God? Well, in those cases, we may, it's not our place to judge all of that. In those cases, it's our place to encourage them. It's our place to help them grow. But the point that Jesus wants us to know is that just because I sit in a pew and just because I say that I'm a part of His kingdom, He says, I want you to know that I'm going to put my angels to work one day on that great and final day of judgment. And there will on that day be a separation that wasn't possible to make on earth. The kingdom of heaven is like, while it's on this earth, the church, it's like this. Among us, there's some that's saved, and there's some that's lost, and we make our decision, which we are. Let's look now at a third parable. It's a very short parable. It's 31 and 32. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed in 31, which man took and he sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it's grown, it's gathered greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of air come and nest in its branches. Here we see the smallest of seeds of the herbs and, and we see that mustard seed, but yet when it's planted, it grows so large, sometimes it's compared to like a shrub. Here the word tree is actually used because a bird can come by and light in its branches. But what's, what's the teaching here? The Lord says, I want you to see that the kingdom of heaven is going to start out small, but the nature, the characteristic that God has given the church is that it should never remain small. In other words, it's a characteristic of growth. When we talk about the Lord's kingdom and the word of the Lord's kingdom, and we said, what's the great commission? 
We understand that the Great Commission is going to all the world and preach the gospel. Why? Because a characteristic of the Lord's church is growth. It's not about us having numbers so that we can post something in a bulletin or post something for people to say over lunch. Wow, did you see that number today? It's about souls. We, when we are part of the kingdom of heaven, let that sink in. A part of the kingdom of heaven. It's not just about this earth. Why should I want someone to be a part of the kingdom of heaven here? Because that changes their eternity. And so when we think about that and we think about we're like the mustard seed, whatever size we are today, the Lord says, if there are those around you that are lost, I want you to be growing. I want you to reach out to them. But now he gives an even shorter parable in the next verse. Look at verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leaven. Now, many of us have seen and enjoyed the fact of yeast bread and yeast rolls and, and uh, different kinds of breads that rise. And, and so we see that leaven. And what does that leaven do? It has to make contact with the dough. You could put the dough in the bowl and leave the leaven in the cupboard and nothing would change with that dough. But you allow them to make contact and it begins to rise. It begins to increase. How are we ever going to reach the world? If we're ever going to reach the world, the Lord wants us to see that the kingdom of heaven is going to reach the world by contact. Do you realize that there's probably someone that you see on a regular basis that at least to some degree, they're beginning to think about spiritual things. They're beginning a type of search for God, if you will. Now, I would venture to say that that's true for almost every one of us here, that we have someone in our contact of friends and acquaintances that in some measurement is searching for God. Are you going to be that contact that gives them an invitation to come learn of God? Are you going to be that contact that shows them a Christian example and how wonderful that Christian life is? Here he says, the Lord says, I want you to see something about the kingdom of heaven. It grows, the previous two verses, but it grows by contact. I want to encourage you, if you're not in the habit one of the best habits you can develop this year is the habit of inviting folks to church. Please try to do that every week because surely we all know individuals and we meet individuals. We have new neighbors to come in. We have co-workers to come in. We have folks in our classes at school. We're constantly being around people. Make sure that it's just a habit of yours that, that every week you've invited at least one, if not several, to come and to learn about God. That's always been how the church has grown. Contact by those that are a part of her. All right, let's skip down and see a fifth one now as we drop down to verse 44. Another parable, it's another short one, verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hid in a field, which a man found and hid and for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What's the kingdom of heaven? It's a treasure. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it is a, an awesome find? 
to be a part of the kingdom of God. I hope you do, because if you do, what we just covered is going to be easy. It's easy to invite someone to a place that you're excited about. When you're excited about being a part of God's family, when you're excited about being God's son or God's daughter, when you're excited about being a part of the Lord's kingdom, it's easy to tell people, you won't believe the treasure that I found. The treasure was in that field, and when I saw that it was there, I took, and the only way I could afford that field is I sold everything I had, and I went back to that man, and I bought that field. That's the story Jesus told when he says, how do you value the kingdom. In other words, he's saying it's worth that much. Do you believe the kingdom is worth that much? Very similar parables in, uh, parable in the next two verses. Look in 45 and 46. The other man back in 44 seemed to just come upon it. But this man seems to be searching more for it in 45 and 46. And the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Very similar parable there, but here's a merchant, and he had been searching for this certain pearl. And finally, when he found it, he had to have it. What a treasure. What a value we have. Are we willing to give our all for the Lord's kingdom? We close with a parable that's very similar to the parable we covered earlier of the wheat and the tares. If you want to begin reading in verse 47, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full, they drew it to shore, they sat down, they gathered the good and the vessels, but they threw the bad away. So it will be in the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Again, very similar. We're like the net here on this earth. And again, I'm not saying this because of any, any particular individual here. I'm saying it simply because of the Word of God and what it says here. In other words, we're the net, and there's some here that's not serious about their relationship with God. Oh, they're in the net. They're in the kingdom. They say, yeah, I'm a member of the Mount Juliet Church of Christ. Yes, 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 I'm a member of the Lord's church. But God knows. And so when that net is brought in on that great and final day, the angels come down and they keep the good fish and they throw out the bad. Maybe we should summarize with the very same words of Jesus. Let's close with verse 51. Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? And they said, Yes, Lord. I need to understand what the Lord says about the kingdom. There's a lot of writings about it. But the Lord, what He says is most important. Are you a part of that kingdom? Is that kingdom precious to you? Would you sell out everything in order to be a part of that kingdom? Do you realize that to be a part of that kingdom, we have to accept the word of the kingdom? We have to be students. We have to learn. We have to be willing to yield our life. Learning that Jesus Christ is the Son of God turning away from sin and turning to God, repentance. Confessing before men, being baptized for the remission of those sins. Maybe you've been baptized for the remission of those sins, but yet you've separated yourself from God. Tonight, let's value the kingdom. Let's love the kingdom. And let's make sure that we're part of the kingdom. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand as we sing.
Seek ye first the kingdom of God.